Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 6. We're continuing continuing through the book of Acts. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and they will bring one to you. Acts chapter 6, starting at verse 1. In those days, the number of disciples was increasing. The Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parimenes, or something like that, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed, laid laid their hands on them, so the word of God spread. The number of the disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. This past week, I have been emailing back and forth with an old friend of mine who just put together a music CD. He's a very talented guy. And years ago, we used to play together and write music together. And he was emailing me, and he actually called me one time, and he said, Hey, uh, remember that song we wrote back then? And it was a song called God's Promises. And I said, yeah, I remember that song. He goes, well, I want to use that on the new CD. And I just wanted to let you know, get your permission. I'm like, oh, sure, man, of course. I just want 10%. No, I just, you know, I said, for sure, go ahead, whatever, you know, whatever you can do. And he says, okay, and I'll send you the CD. Well, he emailed me asking for my address, sent me the CD. I got the CD this last week, and I was listening to it. And, oh, man, what a, an emotional just turn back of the page in time as I was remembering the song and remembering when we wrote it. This is before we had responsibility, before we had kids, before I was even married. We used to stay up all night jamming and playing music and we wrote this song the day before Easter for Easter and so we had to stay up all night so that it would be, you know, okay or at least decent, we hoped. And it actually became a song that I know a lot of people really enjoyed and, and told us, and we sang it at many weddings and different things. And I heard it again, and I was just taken back to that time and reminded of just the, the change that has taken place from where I was back then, writing songs with my friend Daryl and eating donuts at, at 3 in the morning to, to where I am now. You know, I'm still up at 3 in the morning. I just can't eat the donuts anymore. But change is an inevitable thing. And and sometimes change can be a hard and difficult thing as well. I just got a new phone. I had my old phone for five years. I knew that phone. I've got a new one, and it does things, and I don't know what it's supposed to do. When I started setting the phone up, I was there, 
at the Verizon store and I'm, they got it all set up and the guy walked through it with me and he said, okay, we've got your, you know, Bluetooth is hooked up and it's, it's active and it started ringing. And I didn't know how to answer it. I was like, oh no, oh no, just press the red button. I know red usually means off, you know, and it's like, what do I do? What do I do here? It's, you know, something new and there's this learning curve that I don't like. I don't like learning curves. But it's a necessity if you're going to advance, if you're going to grow. Otherwise, we'd all still have those giant brick phones, you know. <laughs> you can't put those in your pocket, you know. It just necessity to change. And it's necessary that the church changes. Now, when you say that, some people freak out. What do you mean the church has to change? Heresy. The gates of hell will not prevail against... I don't know why my voice gets deeper when I mock people. I, I just do. You know, the gates of hell prevail, not prevail against the church. What are you talking about changing? for? Well, let me ask you a few questions. Do you think the church is accurately representing Jesus as best it can? No. Then it needs to change. Do you think the church is reaching out to those who don't know him as best they can? No. Then it needs to change. And whenever there is something that we are neglecting or failing to do, we need to change in order to do that. And that's what's taking place here in chapter 6. There's a couple of things that I want to point out that are are really interesting regarding these first few, few verses. First is the word disciples. Throughout the Gospels, we heard the disciples, the disciples, and it usually meant the twelve. Every now and then it would say, or be referring to more, but primarily it dealt with the twelve. But that's not the case in the book of Acts. Now the word disciples means Christians. And this is the first time that it's used here in the book of Acts. And it's not referring to the twelve. In fact, in verse two, it says the twelve. And this is the last time the word the twelve is used in the book of Acts. This is the last time we see the twelve disciples as being unique, being special, being isolated. After this time on, it's going to be the disciples, which means the followers of Jesus. And that's interesting because some things are taking place and change is required. Well, what's taking place? Well, the church is increasing in numbers. And whenever you have more people, you have more problems. Have you noticed that? It's the same with kids. When you have more people, you have the potential for more needs, more problems, more hurts, more difficulties. And that's what's taking place. As the numbers are increasing, all of a sudden there's these two groups that are mentioned, the Grecian Jews and the Hebraic Jews. And the Grecian Jews were Jews, but they spoke Greek and had a lot of the Grecian culture that was a part of their lives. And the Hebraic Jews were more traditional. And so we start seeing a little contention taking place against these two groups partially because of the differences that are there. Have you ever noticed that people who are different than you, they're, they're automatically 
I don't know, it, you, you just have a harder time with them because they're different, especially if they speak a different language. Don't you get annoyed when people don't speak your language? How many of you speak two languages here? How many of you speak more than two? How many of you speak three languages? Ooh, three languages. How many of you just speak one language? You know what they call that other parts of the world? American. (laughs) And what happens is if we only speak one language and someone doesn't speak our language, we get irritated. Stupid. Why don't you speak American? (laughs) But the truth is, they're not stupid. We're just intolerant. We're impatient. We want them to cater to us. And so some of us are able to speak Spanish and English. Some of us are able to speak, you know, know, is it Portuguese? What do you, who are you? Is that what's from Brazil, right? Portuguese. You know, so you have three languages and some of you maybe are actually from England and actually speak English. But what we want is people to cater to us. And it causes confrontation when you, you're on the phone and you're talking to someone who is supposed to help you through the computer, you know, get things fixed and they don't speak or they have an accent. It bugs you because that's not how I talk. And so you get irritated with them. Or maybe you don't, but I do. And what's happening here is the Grecian Jews and the Hebraic Jews are having a little confrontation. The Hebraic Jews were already involved with the synagogue and the things and the rituals and being taken care of. And now these other group comes in and they feel like they're being neglected in this area. And so it causes a contention. But what's really great about this passage is how it's dealt with. Because as they're complaining... The twelve get together, in verse 2, and they gathered all the disciples, all those who were believers who were involved with this area of contention, and they said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait on tables. Now, first of all, we need to understand the idea of waiting on tables here is not what we think of as a waiter who goes and does a busboy or, you know, the waitress. That's not what it's referring to here. The waiting on tables is similar to what is referred to in the Gospels when Jesus turned over the tables, the money changers. It has to do with the financial aspect of giving money to these widows. And so that's what he's talking about. We can't take what we're supposed to be focusing on, the ministry of the word, the declaration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The word that is used here is the word logos. It means spoken word. We can't neglect the ministry of declaring this gospel of Jesus Christ to deal with the money issues regarding these ladies. So what are we going to do? Verse 3, he says, Brothers, choose. Some translations say, you choose seven men from among you. What just happened here is they said, we don't have to deal with everything. You choose. And I love this for obvious reasons. Someone comes up to me with a problem. It's not my problem. You guys fix it. 
You choose what needs to be done to deal with this issue. And what just took place is responsibility was given to others so that work could continue. So that the 12 could focus on what they needed to do. And now there are seven more included to deal with this issue. And guess what? There's going to be other issues that come up and we're going to need more people to deal with those things. And it's going to have to adapt. It's going to have to grow. It's going to have to change. We change. Our, our body changes. What's the, the largest organ of the human body? The skin. Epidermis. It's not the same, especially over the holidays. It grows. And your skin adapts to the change, to the tamales, to the turkey, to the ham. And then New Year comes and it starts adapting again to the gym and it starts contracting and it gets smaller. And some of us have done that multiple times. <laughs> it gets bigger, it gets smaller, it gets bigger, it gets smaller. If a woman's pregnant, she gets pretty big and develops what, what? Stretch marks, right? If a guy drinks too much beer, he too develops stretch marks, right? It's pretty much the same. Your skin grows. It gets bigger. It adjusts to the changes that are taking place. Well, we are the body of Christ. We need to grow and adjust as things change. When you were born, you didn't have all the skin you were going to need for the rest of your life. That would have been creepy. You know, yeah. Oh, look at Brian. You know, oh, this blob there. And, you know, pick up the skin. Wow, he's going to be tall. You know, I mean, you just there. You have to grow and you have to change. Your body develops. Well, the body of Christ needs to develop. It needs to grow. It needs to change with the needs that are there present. The needs of every group of believers is not going to be the same. It depends on who is part of that group and it depends on the people who they are ministering to. Here it was the Grecian and Hebraic Jews that needed some dealing with and so they chose these people and it's interesting that their names are all Greek names, although one of them is only referred to as a convert. And so they brought people who could minister to those needs and take care of those things. What's the big deal about changing and about growing? There's usually... Two things that can become a problem and stop growth. There's probably more, but I've kind of narrowed it down to two. One is we're all for change if it doesn't take our power or authority away. Remember that the Pharisees were jealous. In Matthew 27, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew it was out of envy that they had handed Jesus over to him. It was that envy, that jealousy of who Jesus was and what he was doing and how the people's perception was changing towards them. And if it was going to take away their power, their authority, they didn't want change. 
And that can happen. If someone has too much power, they don't like to lose power. But you see, the body of Christ is not about the power of individuals. It's about the power of God. And that's why Jesus made such a point. If you want to be great, be the servant of all. That deals with power. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, you need to serve everybody. And so, watching out that we don't have people that are our personification of the authority. They're in charge of everything. That was the complaint against the Nicolaitans in Revelation. They were overseeing the people and overruling the people so much that you had to do everything according to them. If you want to date someone, you got to ask pastor you want to sell your house you got to ask the pastor you want to do this you got to ask the pastor if you go someplace and you have to get approval for everything that you do from the pastor i would smile and i would leave and i wouldn't go back because it is not about authority over you except for god's authority over you and you are a part of the body And yes, if you're involved with a group of believers, there is structure so that we can operate properly. We have to get here at a certain time, set up chairs, pay the bills, do those things. There is structure, and we need to have organization and leadership for that structure. But for you to do the things of God, and if God puts something on your heart, you need to do it. I remember one brother came up to me, and he told me, I feel like God is leading me to go and minister. And it was in another country. And I was like, that's great. He said, but I I talked to my pastor. My pastor said, not yet. And that, that got to me. Not yet. Not yet. What gives... Him the right to tell you when God tells you to do something. And I told him, you need to do what God tells you to do. Because you are not under the rule of men, you are under the rule of God. If you're a part of a group of believers where there is a pastor presiding over you, yes, you have to be respectful and there are things that you need to adhere to, to what that group believes and follows. But you're led by God. And you see, what's taking place here is, remember, at the beginning of the book of Acts, that baton was being handed to the church. Well, that baton is now being handed to seven more people. And they're being told, go and take care of this need that is here. You guys are there. These are the guidelines. And we see that a lot of these men that are mentioned are people who become prominent, Stephen especially here in the next chapter. And we talked about this on Thursday night, if you want to get the study, where we talk a little bit more in depth about these individuals. But they're giving them the responsibility. It's not our job to do everything. It's your job to do these things. And that's the second problem that we can encounter. We're all for change if it doesn't ask anything of me. If it doesn't ask me to do the work. I mean, that's what you're there for, right? And the responsibility, we don't want to take that. There's, there's a problem. I see a problem. Well, what are, what are you doing about it? Well, I, I told the pastor. Is it his job when God put the burden on your heart? 
You see, ministry grows. The body of Christ changes, adapts as needs become aware and then get dealt with by the people who are there a part of that situation. And that's how ministry is developing here. And that's how I hope it continues to develop. Joe's going to the prisons. He was doing that before he came here. I didn't have anything to do with it. I didn't say, you know what? Let's get a board meeting. We're going to talk about prison ministry. And we're going to set someone up. And, you know, Joe seems like the kind of guy, yeah, he can do it. No, it was a burden on Joe's heart. Joe started doing it. And some of you have gone with him because that was something that he started doing. Colleen over on Randy Street. We didn't say, you know what? I think over on Randy Street, we should start doing something. Colleen was already doing something. She was bringing the kids, taking the kids, talking to the people. And all we said is, hey, something's going on. Can we, can we be a part of that? It was something she did. It wasn't something that we did. Alex in Mexico. Alex knows everyone in Mexico. <laughs> when I went down to Vizcaino, South Baja, everyone, Alex, hey, Alex. Like, dude, we're 500 miles from the border. How do you know people? Well, he's from Mexico. It's on his heart. It's something that God put on his heart and it's something that developed into what he is doing. That's what needs to happen. And the reason I'm bringing this up this morning and talking about these things is because I want you to recognize, and this has been something that's an important part of Genesis here, I want you to recognize that you are part of the body and if Genesis is going to grow, well... What needs to happen? I, I don't know all the things. I've got some ideas and we're, we're definitely trying to move forward. We're not being negligent in our responsibilities. But you're the body. You are the ones who, who are the temperature of what's taking place. On your little bulletin thingy that we have, What it says there is to embolden one another to begin changing the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. And that's our purpose, is not to do church, but to embolden you and myself to be the church, to be the body. See, because God has put ideas and abilities on your heart and given you talents that you have and I don't have. When we went to Mexico, John was there in the kitchen. John knows the kitchen. He has a catering business. He took over and boom, he was in his element. I couldn't have done that. We would have been having cereal every day. (laughs) There you go, milk, bowls, Cheerios. (laughs) No, it was on his heart. He has that ability. He has that creativity. I know when we did some artwork, I went to Larry. Larry, can you draw something? <laughs> yeah, you, you don't want my artwork on anything unless you like stick figures. No, he's got a gift. He's got a talent. Well, he can use that. And all of you are talented and gifted. 
And God has created you as part of his body to do part of the work and meet the needs that are those around you. Some of you have friends and people that you work with that only you can talk to in a way that they're going to connect with. Only you can care for. Or maybe there's an idea on your heart that you have that I want to see this take place. And if you come to me and say, hey, I want to see this take place, I'll probably say, cool. Make it happen. <laughs> Everyone's going to say, well, don't go to him anymore. No. But you see, if God has put the burden on your heart, then you need to be a part of making it happen. Oh, we might facilitate it and help things along, but the burden has been given to you. The need has come to you. And so what happened here is they said, you guys choose among you those who will take care of this. If you come here and say, hey, this need has arisen, I'm going to say, okay, you guys choose among you who's able to help you take care of this need. We'll make it known. And what then happens is what happened there is, verse 7, the disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. Needs were being met. Things of ministry and the kingdom were being taken care of, and it grew. And what's wonderful about this is it goes right into Stephen, who's named here, and how powerful he was used. And what is a great thing is when someone is given responsibility and develops and grows in their gifts and their talents and is used by God powerfully. I would love to see some of you raised up and then sent out. Not that I want you to leave, but I want to see you be used. And if I'm trying to hold on to things or keep things under wraps, then I'm neglecting what the body is supposed to do. It's supposed to adapt. It's supposed to grow. It's that epidermis that is supposed to stretch and take care of that growth that is taking place. That's why next week we're going to be having that representation of what we've done over the year. This isn't a secret. We're going to share with you what's going on. What's happening with us, the body of Genesis. And anytime someone tries to control those situations, to stay in charge, then it's restraining growth. Because here, responsibility is given away. And that's what needs to happen. It's given away. It takes away the authority. Everything has to answer to one person. It's given away. And now responsibility is given to other people who take charge. And it's able to grow. And so I want to end kind of asking you this question. If we are the body of Christ, if we are the ones who represent Jesus, then what is your part? That's not my job to tell you. God has given you talents and abilities. It's God's job to tell you. Some of you Love working in the children's ministry. Terry 
is one of them. She loves it. Some of you don't love it. (laughs) But if God has put a desire in your heart for kids, do you realize the impact you can make on those children? So someone gave Terry a little gift this morning. She came and I go, what's that? Oh, one of the kids gave this to me. Just out of the blue. During the week, sometime, this little girl said, I want to give Terry this. Why? Because she loves the kids. And so now during the week, this little girl's thinking of teacher Terry. How cool. If you love kids, talk to Terry. If you don't love kids and you're serving in the ministry, don't talk to Terry. (laughs) (laughs) Find someone who loves kids who can help out. We're hoping to be able to split the classes here soon if we get enough teachers. But we need people who love kids. And so that's my prayer for the children's ministry is, Lord, bring us people who love these kids. I don't care if they're Bible expositors. They just got to love the kids. We'll give them the lessons. We'll give them the things. They just need to love the kids so that sometime during the week, the kid will be thinking of the teacher that loves them and wants to give them a gift. If you like people, if you like dealing with people, talk to Alex. Get involved with them. People who are ushers and greeters. And don't limit what ministry is to what takes place here on Sunday. Because it's a lot more than this. You can serve God and it doesn't have to be here on Sundays. Don't limit God and what He wants to do in your life and through your life. And so... As the needs arise, you see, oh man, we need help, we need help with this. And, okay, we need help with the kids' ministry. Choose among you those who love kids, who love Jesus and want to take care of them. And it'll branch out and it'll grow. It'll develop and it'll be healthy because that's how ministry is supposed to take place. It's not an organization that we're going to structure and we're going to make happen. It is the body of believers seeing needs and meeting needs and reaching out to those who are in need. And the church grew. And the number of disciples, which now means those followers of Jesus, started spreading. Great. That's what we want. We want to see this gospel message reach people. And let's do our part so that we can meet the needs of those around us. And don't ignore the voice of God in your heart saying, I want you to be involved with and let God fill in the blanks. He's put it on your heart. He's ministered to you what that is. I don't know. I'm not going to tell you. I don't want that responsibility. I don't want to tell you what God's supposed to tell you. That's what God's there for. Hear him, listen to him, and obey him. You will not regret it. Oh, it might be difficult, as it was for Stephen. But it was glorious. 
It says of Stephen at the end of this chapter that his face was like the face of an angel as he was being persecuted and brought before the Sanhedrin. And it started off with him just taking the step and taking care of the needs of these widows. And pretty soon he ends up being the first martyr. Don't ignore the voice of God. Listen to it. Be moved. You are the body of Christ. Grow with Him. Change. As the needs come, meet those needs so that God can be honored. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for this example in Acts that a decision needed to be made and and it didn't depend on the 12, but the 12 gave that responsibility to the others. They were involved with the growth of the church, your body. Lord, I pray that's what happened this morning. I, I pray that I gave responsibility for the growth of your body to those who are here. I I pray that I'm never going to be limiting those things. And I pray, God, that we would have that recognition of your work in our lives. And though it might be scary and we might be afraid to step out in those things, Lord, you have created us for those purposes. And I pray that we would be responsible to the things that you call us to. Again, thank you for this morning, for your word. I pray it is encouraged and ministered to everyone here, Lord. Might you be honored in our lives as we desire to represent you. Father, might we be your body. We love you, Lord, and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.